0: Amen. I like it when they say it back. It makes me feel all good. Um, Yeah, so keep passing in prayer. They're traveling today and um, uh, of course you'll be stuck with me today, but it's right because it's only a half day. So you get the chance to, you can endure and then you can uh, get some food and uh, then you can relax the rest of the day. Amen. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians. If you're here on Thursday night, we're just going to kind of continue on with uh, some topics that we've been talking about there. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel the next couple uh this sunday and next sunday will be in uh, galatians so if you ever wonder what thursday night class was like this will be a little sneak peek for you um but we're going verse by verse through the book of galatians and um if you uh if you wanted to catch up on some of the uh some of the previous lessons i think that they're on the uh i think they're online now is that right david they're online Probably not. Sorry, buddy. I typically don't have issues with the microphone, but a little space this morning. All right, so Galatians, we're, we're actually in Galatians chapter 3 and um, in verse number 8. Verse number 8, and the Bible says, in the scripture foreseeing that God... Uh, would justify the heathen through Abraham, saying, "In thee shall all nations be blessed." So they, uh, so then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, uh, "For it is written, cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them." And uh, in verse number eight, uh, this is a verse that could uh, have a lot of uh, issues as far as um, if you were not really believing the Bible or if you had some ulterior motives and you came to the book, then uh, in Galatians chapter 3, matter of fact, the book of Galatians, and then uh, several other places uh, in your Bible is what we call replacement theology is taught. And so that, that word replacement theology simply means that uh, there's somebody trying to say that God is done with the Jewish people that the Jewish people are no longer the apple of God's eye, that somehow the physical promises of Abraham have been somehow transferred to some other entity. And uh, no matter who you are, if you're a British Israelite or if you're uh, someone who believes that the, uh, the land that is over there belongs to the, to the Muslims, then you, know, you would be a part of that crowd so uh, as Dr. Ruttman so eloquently said in his book, A Deadly Piece of Dirt, if you want an interesting read, go ahead and read it. Um, but basically, uh, your, your, your world is united against the nation of Israel because of that piece of land over there. If you ever wanted to really figure out what God loves, God loves Israel and God loves that land, okay? And uh, it's a really, really big deal to God uh, who's done that land. Because there was a land contract that was signed back there and he hasn't changed his mind on who that land belongs to. And so um, when we come to the Bible, uh, it's just like uh, it's just like the uh, portion of Scripture where ta- uh, where he says, eat of eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Right. You remember that? And uh, everybody, and then the Catholic Church, they want to make it literal, literal, so that they can, you know, continue to teach the doctrine of transubstantiation and and how that you need to take mass and you need to eat the physical body and drink the physical blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to have part with him. So the problem is, is they want to they want to put uh, a physical application on a spiritual passage. And then they want to put a spiritual application on physical passages, and they want it to have their, uh, their cake and eat it too. It's basically what it boils down to. Um, and so I just want to run through a couple things here. If you're Thursday night, we've gone through a couple of these things, but I think it's important uh, just here in the main service to hit some of these things. Uh, go to, take your Bibles and go back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> Let's just hit a couple places where this land contract is mentioned, and it's interesting because you think that a book that is as old as your Bible would have to be updated with the uh, the modern times, and the fact of the matter is, is they're, they're trying to catch up with it, yeah. Yeah. and so Genesis chapter number 12, <clears throat> verse number 1, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land which I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Okay, go to uh, just across the page, uh, Genesis 13, verse number 14. And when Abram heard this, uh, excuse me, I'm in the wrong place. 13, look in verse uh, 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place which thou, uh, where, where thou art northward and southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. Now, you have to pay attention. God just God just made a definitive statement. God said, I'm going to give you this land. And then you see that word... Uh, that, uh, that he says, to thy seed. You see that? Now, when we, when we come to the Bible, we have to understand that words matter. okay. And when he says that word seed, you're going to find out that if you have a problem in Galatians, it's because you're messing with that word seed and you're trying to make it say something that it's not saying. So you're, trying to either, uh, you're either trying to make something um, literal that's not meant to be literal or trying to make something spiritual that's not meant to be spiritual. So the problem here is with the seed. And God said, I'm going to give your seed this land. And then he tells you the length of that contract. (laughs) He tells you that it's an eternal contract. It's an everlasting contract. It's not going to stop. It's not going to end. Genesis chapter 15. He says it so many times it's kind of hard to miss unless you're trying to miss it. Okay? Verse number 18. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. He's given it to them. It's no, there's, no, there's, no, there's no question about it. Okay, so the only way that you could say that that land belongs to somebody else is you have to replace Israel with somebody else. Amen. Or you just have to blatantly say God didn't keep a contract that he said he was going to keep. You see the problem with that? So that's, that's the whole basis of replacement theology is that God made a definitive statement. Hey, this seed, whatever this seed is, this land is going to that seed. So if you were somebody that was trying to get Israel out of the picture, you would attack that seed. And uh, let's hit it again here in Genesis chapter 17. And this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Uh, just, just because you know that this book is, is light years ahead of where uh, everyone else is. Uh, Look in verse number 8. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Okay, now let's uh, let's look in verse 15 of the same chapter. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt, not, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be called. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her and she shall be mother of nations, kings and people shall be of her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born into this uh, hundred years old and Sarah 99, uh, ninety years old? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now we all understand, the. you read over there, and he gives you the, the, uh, the story of the bondwoman and her son, so on and so forth. Okay, so Hagar has his son, his name is Ishmael, right? And remember, Sarai, she gets mad and sends her out, you know, that was a bad decision on my part, see you later. Deal with her however you want to deal with her, and she goes out, right? And, she's, and she uh, is uh, having a hard time, and, and the Lord says, I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation, okay? He says he's going to be a wild man, though. And he's going to live by the sword. Now, what you have to understand about the descendants of Ishmael, Ishmael, that's, that's, your, that's, your, that's your Muslims. Okay? That's, that's all this foolishness going on in the Middle East. That's where it comes from. So, so of what spirit would any kind of uh, global entity say that the land doesn't belong to the Jews, but rather it belongs to Ishmael? Because God answers the question. Because Abraham's desire was for Ishmael to be the one that gets it. Right? And he says, um, uh, let's see here. In in verse 18, And Abraham said unto God, "Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will uh, establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, not with Ishmael and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, uh, and I'll make him a great nation. Okay? And I'm telling you right now, that seed is fighting with his brother for years and years. And guess what? They're not going away. You ever think it's funny? You think, I, think it's kind of, I think it's kind of funny that uh, when you think about the end times and you think about... Um, uh, prophecy and eschatology and all the different you know the nice uh, theological words that you could throw out there. Uh, that this this Muslim nobody can touch them. They're immune from all this from all this uh, uh, you know hate stuff, and they they can literally say you should throw uh, queers off of roofs, and they're like, oh not all of them are like that. <laughs> you have one Christian person say something like that, and you see what they do to the Christian faith. You see what I'm saying? For some reason, for some unexpl- just as unexplainable as the nation of Israel is still around, it is just as perplexing that Ishmael as is as protected as they are. They are the holy, the holy cow, if you will. Uh, okay? They, they can do no wrong. You have you have on the liberal side of things, as liberal as liberals can be, you have them defending. This stand well—they're not all radical Muslims. You're not a good Muslim if you're not radical. You understand? (laughs) You're not a good Muslim if you're not radical. I remember we when I was in Pensacola, we had a uh, we had an imam come in and he uh we, he he did it. Dr. Upman brought him in and uh, <laughs> he was giving a little presentation he was talking and I don't even know why he decided to come that was the dumbest decision that guy made ever and he comes in there's 300 of these stinking fire breathing you know full of the bible just it's a hostile crowd to say the least and so he comes in and he starts talking and he's like you know letting us have an open forum question and answer i mean Dr. Rutman's behind him. He's standing behind him. And he's got, he's got all the hadiths and stuff like that. And he's got a bunch of verses from the Koran up there. And, uh, and uh, I asked a question. I raised my hand and I asked a question. I said, is it true that uh, that uh, if you fall asleep while you pray, that you believe Satan urinates in your ear? That's in a hadith, if you didn't know that. And, and the embalm's, oh, that's in one of them crazy hadiths. And Dr. Rutman went, Crazy, that's your holy book, man. What are you talking about? And so he's going, he's going like this. He's like, he's just a snake. He's a snake. He's standing behind the guy. He's going like this. This is the funniest thing you ever saw in your life, right? But these guys, they can, they can do whatever they want. They can do no wrong. And uh, you, have a, you have a government. You have to understand that the stance uh, that uh, the United Nations takes is that that land has to be given... To the Palestinians. It has to be given to uh, to Ishmael. And so you have to understand that they are directly opposed to God. You see that? Unless you can take that seed and make it somebody else. It's a deception. Back in Galatians chapter 3. Back in Galatians chapter 3. You know they do everything in their power to attribute that seed to somebody else. I'm not going to go in and break every single one of these things down, but uh, in Romans chapter two, verse uh, 29, Romans chapter two, verse 29, this is one of the things they try to say. Again, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go through. Take the time to to expound on each one of those things you could, you know, you can get you a commentary and do that at some point in time. I want to try to get into something else here in just a second. We've already gone over this on Thursday. And I just want to bring everybody up to speed. But verse 29 says, But he, or start in verse 28, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So he says, it's not the physical Jew, it's the spiritual Jew. See what they did there? They tried to make the salvation experience... And they tried to tie the physical promises in with the spiritual promises. And so they say, oh, the, the physical promises, they belong to spiritual Jews. And that's what we are. So you just, so you just said, God's done with the Jew. And now you're it. You see that? That's what they did. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Look in verse 16. <clears throat> You'll hear, you see, if you, if you do any kind of Bible study or whatnot, and you try to read what some of these guys uh, do, and again, if you're not, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. I'm not putting pressure, like you need to, you know, spend a bunch of time reading commentaries and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. But uh, when you start doing that, if you ever take the time and read some of these verses, uh, it's pretty amazing what people try to try to throw in there. Okay, look at verse number 16. And as many as walk according to the rule... Uh, to this rule, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. Now I've heard everybody try to define what the Israel of God is. So somebody who wants to say God is done with the Jew, you know what they say? Well, the Israel of God, that's the new, uh, that, that's the new um, group that gets the physical promises. It's not the Jew. So it's now the Israel of God. But you see the motive behind it. I'm not even, I, don't even have to, I don't even have to go into it. You see the motive behind what they're saying. Anything to get the Jews out of the way. Anything. Galatians chapter 3. Back in our chapter. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Uh, he, has, uh, he saith not the seeds as of many, but as of one. And thy seed, which is Christ. They try to make make Isaac uh, a type of Jesus Christ. And so, again, uh, now that Isaac is a type of Jesus Christ, you receive the physical promises. They weren't two promises, they were one. So now that means you get them both. They try to over spiritualize, right, the promises. You can't do that. It's two different things. Uh, And lastly, Galatians chapter 4. They just try to say that the Christian is now the new, uh, the new uh, uh, beneficiary of, the, of this land contract. Verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. You see that? You take that verse and you say, oh, there we are. Saved by grace through faith. Now... You have to understand when you start throwing dominoes down, they have an effect. They knock other dominoes down. So, if you take that stance, you can't be premillennial. You can't be. Because if you believe that the that that if you if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, then you have to, then you have to know that you, there's no way that you get to partake in the physical promises. But if you believe you're bringing in the kingdom, now you can put that on you. And so the doctrinal dominoes continue to fall because you're dishonest. So it's really, really important when we read these verses that we understand that we don't ever try to make the Bible fit our theology. We make our theology fit the Bible. Okay? And so, because if you don't, you mess up in one area, you mess up in so many other places because all of this stuff is interconnected. Okay? Uh, the reason that you know for a fact that this thing cannot be, go to uh, Romans chapter 11. This, this is the end-all be-all. Unless you are 100% dishonest, blind, or have no business standing in a pulpit and teaching anything, um, Romans chapter 11 makes it extremely clear. There's seven mysteries that Paul talks about. One of the mysteries in, is in Romans chapter 11, and that is the restoration of the nation of Israel. If you understand dispensations, then you have no problem with what I'm about to tell you. Do you think it's, do you think it's, do you think it's a coincidence that everybody that tries to make Israel uh, no longer um, the recipient of the physical promises is not dispensational? Because if you're dispensational, you can make sense of the two dichotomies that are in Galatians. The fact that there's physical promises and spiritual promises. But if you can't rightly divide your Bible, that just goes above your head. Well, they're saved in the Old Testament the same way they're saved in the New Testament. And we're all just you know, looking forward, or looking behind. And guess what? You break your neck on that because there's no way to justify two different things. Because they, they, they have to be parallel. They can't have a break. Okay, so Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 12. Now if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? So they've already fallen off, right? That... That goes back to the Apostle Paul. That's the implications of what happened in uh, Acts chapter number seven when they stoned Stephen and they were cut to their heart. And they see the Lord Jesus Christ standing there and they, and they reject the Messiah completely. And here comes Paul. He gets saved. Uh, Acts chapter eight. Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. Paul gets saved. Acts chapter nine. And now that thing's turned into the Gentiles. Why? The Jews had 100% rejected Jesus Christ. And so now you have a new dispensation, okay? So they fall off, the Gentiles get in, and now he says, and now he says um, that how much more their fullness. So in order for their fullness, that means it's out in the future somewhere. That hasn't happened yet. That's not the heyday. That means the future's out there. So for you to say that God's done with the Jew, what do you do with that? Look in verse number 15. For if the casting away of them, the the Jew, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? Again, if, if you're honest, you know that they lost it. That's as clear as day. And he says there in verse 15 that they're going to be received. So, you have to understand that blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles uh, be come in. Okay? And, uh, and so you have to uh, look in verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. This is a mystery. That means folks have a hard time seeing it. Okay? Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That's you and I to think that God, that, that you have a corner of the market, that you've got the market share, and you think that you there's nothing that's going to happen to you. You can just do whatever you want, right? He says, lest you be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. The illustration that he gives in here is that there's an olive branch, right? And they cut it off. And then they graft in a wild olive branch. That's you. And he says, uh, don't be wise, he says... Uh, be not high-minded, but fear. Because just like they were cut out, you're going to get cut out, and they're going to get put back in. But then again, if you're, if you're uh, a, a post millennialist if you're all-millennials, if you're not dispensational, you don't get none of that. You don't get none of it. It don't make a lick of sense to you. So that's why when we say that we're Bible believers... <laughs> And it's more, than just, uh, it's more than just, hey, I know I'm saved. Like, I'm glad I'm saved this morning. Praise the Lord. I get that. But you know that there's a whole lot more to your Bible than just that. Okay? Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll move on. Go back to Galatians chapter number 3. we Wanna get into something a little bit more fun. Right? Not have to be mean. Yeah, I think it was fun. <laughs> uh, verse number 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Now look at that thing, the scripture foreseeing. So there's a a term that's called, uh, and this is what, if if you're a Bible believer, this this uh, this is what higher criticism or higher intellects or scholarship would call you. They would call you a bibliolater. That means that you worship the Bible as if it was a God. You see that? Now, that would be an offensive statement if, uh, <laughs> if, if, uh, if that was the case. Now, if you believe the Bible, as the Bible says you should believe the Bible, you're not far from that. Matter of fact, it's real close. I mean, it's real close. I'm going to show you something here. How in the world could a Bible foresee something? How could an inanimate object foresee something? You have to know... Uh, take your Bibles go to Hebrews chapter 4. Now, I know you all know this verse, but I want to show you something. Hebrews chapter 4. I like this stuff. I don't care if you're not having a good time. I like this. That's fun. Okay? Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even in the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it can foresee the future and it can discern... Your heart. But here's where I want to get into this uh, bibliolatry or whatever they want to you know, label you as. You, 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 basically, you're an idol worshiper because you worship a book. As if it was greater than God. Well, let's run some verses and we'll have fun. Okay? Uh, look in verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest. Look at this. This is a, this is a hot topic right now. Okay? His sight. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. You know what that is? Those are what we call um, the personal pronouns. And it's given to the Word of God. Those are personal His, Him pronouns that is given to the Word of God. Now, before you go ahead and try to say, oh, John 1, 1. That ain't John 1-1 there, right? Because John 1-1 is what? Capital W-O-R-D. That's the Word of God personified. Okay, that's Jesus Christ. He didn't say that. Look in verse 12. The Word, lowercase, of God. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30. You know, it's funny. I've run into Bible believers that when you when you say stuff like this, they're like, oh, I don't know about all that. Like, I don't know why. Get off the fence now, man. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like when you start going over and you start showing like uh, where different Bible versions, they, they pervert the Word of God. And uh, you say, oh, yeah, I believe I, I use the King James Bible. I a lot of pastors are like that. We had a, we had a family of the church here. Uh, it was a while ago. And I remember when they, when they left, they said, we're going to go to this other church, uh, you know, and, and everything. And so we're with them, and I looked up the statement of faith of this church while I was with them. And I read it to them. And they, they used the King James Bible. See, they're King James. No, they weren't. They just use it. They 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 really believe that the that the uh, that the true word of God is still found in the original manuscripts. They're what we call TR guys. They're Texas Receptus guys, right? And so here's the problem. Uh, it's not just that I use the King James Bible. Now, this may be you know a hard statement to take. I believe that all other Bibles that aren't the King James Bible are not. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, but rather they are demonically inspired by the devil. Now you lose a bunch of people when you say something like that. All right? Proverbs, because that's, that's a hard stance. But look at what he said here. Proverbs chapter, 30, uh, Proverbs chapter 30, look at verse number 5. Every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. And thou, uh, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Okay, again, uh, this is the same, this is, this is not the personified word of God, but this is rather the written word of God. It's the same word of God that's in Psalms chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, when he talks about the, uh, that uh, he's going to preserve them from this generation and forever. Okay, uh, go to John chapter 1, verse 1, just for the sake of looking at it. We see the difference. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W-O-R-D. And the Word was with God. And the Word, look at this, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And darkness comprehended it not. Right? And so this, this this light this this word of God, uh, verse number fourteen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is no doubt uh, Jesus Christ personified. But that's not what he's talking about in in in, uh, in in Hebrews chapter four, verse thirteen. He gives personal pronouns to this to the written word of God. Uh, go to um, John chapter six. John chapter 6, verse 63. The spirit quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Look at this. The words, that's the written word, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they're life. They're alive. They are alive, in uh, in in first in First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter seventeen. There's personal uh, attributes that are given to the written word of God. So before you just dismiss this thought of you know where does the word of God sit you know and and, and uh, are you a are you a bibliolater? How 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 high do you place the Bible and all that kind of stuff? Well, why don't you just be you know objective before you make a, a, a knee jerk statement? Okay. First Chronicles chapter 17. First Chronicles 17, uh, look in verse uh, number one. Now it came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan, the prophet, "Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under, under curtains. And Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee." Now look at what it says. And it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan saying. How did it come? What do you mean it came? Like it walked? Like it, it came to him? It's a, so Now you're telling me that it has personal pronouns. You're telling me that it's, it's life. You're telling me that it can move. It can move around, right? It's, it's got this ability. Uh, and uh, it can find out things. It can know things. It can foresee things. Okay? So what is, what is up with that? Look in, um, look in uh, Psalms chapter 138. We'll, we'll do this one and then we'll move on. Psalms 138. Psalms 138, you all know it, verse number 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for the loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. You think Paul knew that was in the Bible? (laughs) I think he did. So go to Philippians chapter 2. Paul wrote Philippians chapter 2, didn't he? Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. He said that he magnified his word, the written word, above his own name. And then Paul went ahead and said, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. That's Jesus Christ. That means that this book is placed just as high as Jesus Christ is. So you worship a book? (laughs) You'd be a pretty good safe bet. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? That thing is so close, you can't, you can't, go, off, you can't go off and say you know that the, the book is, is, is a God. I'm not saying to do that, but I'm saying the Lord magnifies that thing up pretty high. And the problem is, is if you come to this thing and you think you're going to change it and you're going to mess with it and you're going to put your own two cents in and God's already told you, I'll mess with you. And so you come to it with a dishonest heart. God says, "I can take care of that problem real quick." All right, go to back to Galatians chapter three, Galatians chapter three, verse nine. Pretty self-explanatory verse. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Okay, that's basically uh, just the fact that uh, this is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. We've gone over that previously, uh, but he says, "Then they which are uh, which be of faith are blessed." That's uh, spiritual blessing. Um, with Abraham and it's like how do you get it? Well the same way Abraham got it and that was that he believed God he believed what God said and when he believed what God said he was then a partaker of the blessing and so if you believe what the Lord Jesus Christ says about salvation you are then imputed the righteousness uh, of Jesus Christ you're justified uh, by the finished work of Jesus Christ and you can stand with uh, the, uh, the type of Abraham and say I I have uh, in common with Abraham is that I trusted the Lord, and now the, the seed, the word of God, has uh, been planted in my heart, and I'm saved, I'm justified, I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ because I simply believe what God said. That is, that is how uh, Abraham got his righteousness. God came to Abraham and said, Look up at the stars. You see all the stars up there? He says, Yeah, man, they're awesome. He's like, Yeah, I made those also. Can you number those things? No, nah, Lord, I can't. there's way too many. I can't count that high. He says, I'm going to make your seed as the stars of the heaven. You believe that? He said, well, I, I have no problem believing that. If you can make them all, why in the world could I have a problem saying that you can make me like, okay, I'll, you, I'll, you can have my righteousness then. <laughs> you say that's foolish. Well, how, how, how foolish is it to say, okay, uh, you got a sin problem? You can't see your sin. It's not like you can go wash it off. You get, come this morning, like, oh, well, you're a sinner. Well, nobody can see it on you. It's not something that's outward. But he says, you're a sinner and you need to get saved. Okay, so here's this dead Jew on a stick. Uh, you believe on him and you'll be saved. You go. I don't know about all that. That's pretty crazy. That's how the world looks at it, and then you look at him and you go, "I believe it." And he says, "All right, you can have my righteousness." Says <laughs> so you're good to go. <laughs> That's just how Abraham got it, right? Uh, let's go down to uh, verse number ten. For as many as are of the works, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it was written, "Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written." in the book of the law, to do them. Again, if you don't understand some basic principles about this spiritual versus physical, then these verses could be confusing to you. There's five things that in order to, to understand fully the rest of the chapter, there's some things you got to get knocked down and I, and I won't repeat them. Uh, we'll just go through them real quick. There's two issues. There's physical and there's spiritual. Simple, simple stuff. Physical promises and then there's spiritual promises. That's number one. You have to understand that. Number two, the spiritual issue is not connected to the physical, the material blessings that are promised to uh, to Israel. The physical blessings they go to the believing remnant of Israel in the Old Testament. All right. Also, where it, where it applies in the millennium. So you say that, that just confused me. You lost me there. Okay, so let's just take it down a notch, right? You have Old Testament Jews, right? They have the promise, the physical promises of Abraham. Okay? The physical promises. And then God turns from the Jew, goes to the Gentile. Now we're dealing in this spiritual for by, uh, by grace through faith plus nothing, right? That's not how they were saved in the Old Testament. So now there's this block of time that's just kind of its own thing. Now when that thing's over it's now dealing with the nation of israel again and so now those promises then apply to them and that's into the tribulation into the millennium you understand so you have to there's there's two sides of this thing everybody in the middle it doesn't matter if you're jew whether you're greek black white doesn't matter you're saved the same way you get the same spiritual blessing that's to be absent from the body present with the lord so on and so forth i don't worry about what's going on in palestine i don't worry about inheriting a land here on this earth okay But again, it applies to those groups of people. Okay? So, uh, number three. The seed is spiritual. The children are spiritual. And the promise of the Spirit is spiritual. That's verse number 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you just wanted to, like, just use your noggin... You know what you find out? You read down through this chapter and you realize that every bit of context of this chapter is spiritual. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's plain as day. Okay? Uh, let's see here. Number four. The promises, plural, of verse number 16. This is where it says, now Abraham is the seed. The promise is made. Okay? The promises, plural, of verse 16, they include the physical promises. That's in reference to the... Uh, to the, the Jews there uh, in the Old Testament. Okay, the physical and spiritual blessing. But the physical blessings, again, go to the Old Testament Jew. And if you want a verse for that, that's Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, where he says, what what uh, advantage is it to, uh, of the circumcision? And he says, well, primarily that it's uh, they were given to the oracles of God. But basically it says that there's a ton of advantages, right? But they just don't have them right now. That's Romans, that's Romans uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, showing that those promises are later. They haven't got them yet. Okay? And then believing uh, tribulation Jews, which we just talked about, and that's uh, found there with the restoration of Israel in Romans chapter 11. Okay? And finally, the promise singular of verse 14 is the subject of what we're talking about right now. And that is the spiritual seed, that's the spiritual promises, and that's the subject of Galatians chapter 3. Okay, so any attempt to make this physical to you and I or to anybody else that's living in the time in which we are living right now, which is a church age, is to, to totally deny Scripture, to show you that you are not dispensational, and to show that you just got a lot of things out of place. Okay, all right, that's, uh, that's that, <laughs> Um, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter number 27, verse 26 for a cross-reference in verse number 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curses everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law. Now go to Romans chapter 7, verse 7 real quick. What he just said there, it's not that you have to do works in order to be saved, which of course is what is is the, the theme of Galatians. That's what Paul is rebuking uh, here in the book of Galatians. But Romans chapter 7 verse 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. So we know that he was alive without the law once. And uh, it was his schoolmaster to bring him to Jesus Christ. That's the Apostle Paul. And so what he's saying here, he's like, if you, uh, again, back in verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. So if, if you're illuminated to the works of the law, then you're under a curse. That doesn't help you a bit. Okay, and then he quotes Deuteronomy. He quotes uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 27, verse 26. Basically, you have to keep the whole works of the law. Well, here's, so here's the thing. If you take that all the way out, if you want to live by the law, you're going to live underneath that curse. He told you that you have to do everything that's written, the entirety. Now, that's not just the ceremonial law. That's the moral commandments found throughout the first five books of the Bible. So it's not just thou shalt not covet, and thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do that. No, it's like, oh, I got my neighbor's donkey, and I got, it's fell into a ditch, and you know, my, boar, my, my bull gored this guy, and i got to you know, do this. It's all that. So you try to make this, oh, I'm going to be a good person and go to heaven. Well, you can't do that. What he's saying here is he's saying if you're, if you're going to be underneath the law, you got to do it all. And the, reason that that, and the reason he says it that way is to put a huge burden on them to show you you can't keep it. That's the purpose of it. And it's not saying that the law is bad. Matter of fact, back in uh, Romans chapter 7, he tells you a couple things. He tells you that the law is holy. He tells you that the law is just. He tells you that the law is good. He tells you that the law is spiritual. It's supposed to make you guilty before God, exceedingly sinful. That's the goal. Because even the Old Testament saints couldn't keep it. That's why they had to do all the ceremonial law and the, and the offerings and all that kind of stuff. So, again, uh, it's, a, it's a stretch to try to say that this is uh, referring to your method of salvation. Okay? But that no man, verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God... It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now, this is uh, we'll hit this real, real quick. The just shall live by faith. This is an Old Testament quotation from the book of Habakkuk. Okay, And we won't necessarily go there because I don't want to take the time. Some of you may have a hard time finding the book of Habakkuk. But in the book of Habakkuk, what it says is that the just shall live by his faith. By his faith. Now, here's the problem. We already read one time over there in Proverbs chapter 30 that if you add or take away, God will mess with you. Well, he says, he says the same thing uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. If you add or take away from it, I'm going to add to you plagues and curses and all those bad things. And he says it again in, Re- in Revelation chapter 22, verse 19. If any man take, uh, add to my words, or take, I will write his name out of the book of life. So is Paul, uh, is Paul uh, in danger of going to hell? So Because he, what he did was he misquoted Habakkuk. He took out a pretty important word in that the just shall live by his faith. Paul says the just shall live by faith. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is that if uh, you understand how the scripture is written, if you go to Je- Jeremiah chapter 36, you've got uh, uh, Baruch writing at the mouth of Jeremiah, and you know that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he writes it up, throws it over to the king. The king doesn't like it, sticks it with a penknife, chucks it in the fire, he goes back, writes another inspired scripture, that's double inspiration, if you were wondering. And then he uh, says that he added to it. So you're telling me that you're telling me that a translation of the originals can be inspired and it doesn't perfectly match the originals. Yep, that's what I'm saying. right? So Paul, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, omits the word His because it doesn't fit church-age doctrine. And God says, that's fine. That's, right. Amen. that's no problem at all. Now, if you have a problem with the Bible, you'll say, oh, Bible corrector, your Bible has errors in it. No, it doesn't. You have to understand that there's, it's not as cut and dry as you'd like it to be. You, you forgot, this is a book for grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> this this requires some gray matter, okay? And so, uh, again, it's a two edged sword as we already read. And it'll do surgery, and it'll cut you up, and it'll make you better, or it'll take your head off. Like what Doctor Ruppman always used to say. He says, "You've never seen a more treacherous, deceitful, misleading book in all your life." And if you come to that thing saying, "I'm going to correct it," or "I'm going to make it say what I want to say," God will make you look like a fool. And so you have to understand, just because he says the just shall live by faith, what is he doing? Now he has a scriptural basis for what the revelation was that God gave him. Yeah. And, then you go back to, and then you go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and James chapter 2, when it talks about faith and works, and then you realize, oh, those are tribulation passages, and God's dealing with the Jew again, and it's perfectly in line, there's no contradiction, and there's no problem. That is a perfect book that has been that has been meticulously put together by, by the mind of God and you can't figure it out and you just hold on for the ride and believe what it says and just wait till you get to heaven man <laughs> that's all you got to do all right that's good enough for this morning let's pray and we'll take a break Heavenly Father thank you for this morning